Oh, snap! The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, raw feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business. And we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. Dang, it's early. It's Monday. I don't have a voice yet. There's not enough coffee in my body. Good morning, Dr. Andy. Morning, Dee Dee. Happy Monday. Happy. Happy Monday to you. Going to be a busy week for you as usual? As usual. Non-stop. Non-stop because we have to get our dogs adjusted. But the first thing that you got to adjust is our pet parents. Our pet parents got to get adjusted. <laughs> right? Yes. And not necessarily chiropractically for me. But you know what? You're really gentle. I mean, like, you know, like Neely and I sort of come at it very direct. I think you're very gentle in your correction of maybe helping people step outside of the box. Don't you think you're gentle? I think you are. I, I try. I really do try. Why? Because <laughs> it's your personality. Yeah. Yes. And and why not? Um, you know. Right. 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 Not? But I mean, come on. If there are things, let me just say it like this: If if you have said the same thing over and over, and it's not getting through, and somebody continues to still have problems, does it irritate you? Yes. Okay, good. Because I just thought it was just me. No, no. Oh, no. And I had a client. Oh, my gosh. I went to her wedding. Like, so we're friends at this point. Like, I this is her second set of dogs with me, um, Labradors. And we've known each other, I, I don't even know, 15, 18 years at this point. And she's like, one of my dogs is starting to get a sensitive stomach. And mm-hmm. I'm like, the sensitive stomach gets me riled up instantly. Um, and I'm like, yeah, cause you keep feeding kibble in there and I don't want to hear it until you go raw. And that's literally how I put it to her. And you told me you don't want to mess with it and you're not going to do it. So we're not going to talk about this. Okay. And that, because I knew her, I knew where she was coming from. I have all this background and she's like, well, I, I put the Zewi peak in there. I'm like, yeah. And there's still kibble in there. I know it is. I know you cook some of it. I know I, I, it, it's such a hodgepodge diet that yeah. She has a sensitive stomach until you're ready to talk frozen raw, um, specifically from raw dog food and company, because you have two big Labradors. We're not talking about this. And that was the end of the conversation. But if she's <laughs> cooking it, isn't that like a lot of work? Yes. Oh my gosh. There is so much work that goes into this. And it is such a hodgepodge. It, it, does, it boggles my mind what, what her reasoning is. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. That is one thing, you know, and I told somebody the other day, um, I think the majority of your job, my job, Dr. Jason Neely is unwinding, unwinding the um, unsensical protocols that are happening in the home. Right. And I I don't mean to say it like that, but if you have an issue, right, you have an issue, then you got to get basic. You got to just do the food. Now, some people will say, well, my dog just won't eat the food. Okay, I can't believe that there's not one blend, not one type that a dog would eat. 
There's got to be. There's got to be. I, I just don't. I, I don't. I don't get that. I don't. Um, and I think I've mentioned this before. A lot of them are the only dogs, like the single children in the household that are just coddled to the hilt. And because it's new and they didn't just jump all over it and wolf it down, they're like, oh, they just won't eat it. Um, well, they're just trying to see what else they can get out of you, too. I mean, right. don't 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 forget the manipulation. They're very right. good at it. Right. These pets of ours. Um, but yeah, it just boggles my mind because I have so I all my dogs are just, they'll just wolf down anything. So it is very hard for me to get that. And yeah, I, I hear it, too. Yeah, I just we need the we need the camp. We need the raw dog food camp. Bring your dog here. Let me yes. observe. <laughs> <laughs> they will eat raw. We're going to right because they're uh, mm -hmm. number one. Our energy is going to say that's what you're going to yeah. eat. Right. Yeah. And it's OK. Mm -hmm. And it's that's good. A, I was just going to bring that up. The, the owners are so tentative about it. And oh, my God, what's this going to do? And they're just so worked up about it that the animal picks that up, too. Yeah. I wonder, uh, too, when an animal, let's say a dog, you know, that the Labrador, since his stomach lab, of course, he hadn't had the chance to even try out raw yet. But if they were with another dog that was eating raw and going crazy with raw, I kind of wonder how that might change the situation as well. Well, I think it definitely changes things. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, what, I'm missing out. We all know our animals, right? <laughs> oh, I'm missing out on something. They like this. You right. Know, they all do that. Right. You know, we put our human emotions on them all the time. Right. The right. other one comes over for a pet. Oh, they're jealous. Eh, I don't know about that, but they want a pet too. So they right. don't, they do suffer. I call it FOMO, fear of missing out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> some, some dogs have more FOMO than others. <laughs> well, speaking of changing things, you change a lot of pets lives with chiropractic work. Um, what, what do you, what, type of situation do you think you could not affect because as we've talked on the on the podcast i mean we've talked about paralyzed dogs we've talked about dogs with back and neck problems limping problems even eating problems that chiropractic could fix right so why wouldn't somebody get their dog into chiropractic care it, to me it just makes sense if you're going to go in a holistic lifestyle you're going to feed raw you want to you know minimal to no, you know, poisons in the system. Um, why, what kind of, what would you say? I can't help your dog. What kind of situation would it be? Um, a torn CCL. I cannot help that knee. I can help the dog, but I can't help that knee. I cannot fix a torn ligament. That just, just takes it, time, right? It just takes time. Um, and we've talked about it possibly will take surgery. So if there's a torn ligament up in the shoulder, I can't do anything about that structure being torn. Um, and then we can even, we've talked about hip dysplasia, like, oh my gosh, you know, we have arthritis, we have this and that. And do I change the bony stuff in there? No, but does chiropractic impact the nervous system and, um, change things, change the pain level. Absolutely. So no, I cannot fix a ligament. If that CCO is torn or partially torn, chiropractic's not going to do it. Now that rest of that body is compensating for that knee that is bothering the dog. Now that 
absolutely chiropractic can make the rest of the dog feel better while you're waiting for surgery, while you're waiting for it to heal up. We manage the rest of the body um, and keep that in alignment. So it helps with the healing. It, it, the, the dog's going to heal more balanced in general. And it, it can just be added in with everything else. Um, after surgery, get them back in for an adjustment. I am shocked by how many people that see me before the knee's diagnosed or while the knee is being diagnosed, you know, um, but they don't come back after the surgery. Oh, they come back in two or three years because the pelvis has been disrupted. Um, the other leg's been working differently through the entire PT process or, you know, so many months to years later, they're back because the dog never completely healed from the surgery just because they needed an adjustment. The dog is flipped around on the table. The, the knee, if they do a TPLO, the surgeon picks the angle of the knee mm. where they pound in the implants. They are pounding implants into your dog's bones with that surgery. And that knee is going to settle at an angle that the surgeon has decided is necessary. Most of them are very good at that. I'm not saying that's a wrongness. It's just, that's what's decided there. But uh, what's the other leg doing? What's the pelvis doing? What's the thoracic spine doing? What are those upper lumbars doing after surgery? That doesn't mean day two. That means usually after they're released to go walking or PT. So about six weeks, get them in for an adjustment. I don't adjust the knee anyway. We're not messing with it. And they can come in sooner. I'm not going to mess with the surgical spot. That's not where chiropractic is going to go. Um, but they need to come in afterwards. I am shocked how many people come in before and then after surgery, oh, they must just be fine. I'm like, a lot of other things actually get, lack of a better term, knocked out of place during surgery. And if we add that in with PT, with whatever else, so much better results. Does a surgeon... So the surgeon decides what angle that knee is going to be. Mm -hmm. uh, is it ever counter into, is it ever uh, not a good thing? Uh, is it ever incorrect? That's, that's, that's yeah. the, yeah. yeah, it can be. I have a client right now. He does remarkably well. He's had both knees done before this owner adopted him, but one leg is so hinky and so bowed out and that surgeon just didn't do a good job. Mm. Now he's not particularly painful. He actually does really well, but oh, does he walk poorly? Um, and do we go in and remove the plates? Is there anything we can do? It's, it, it'd be a crap shoot either way, really. Um, but, but we're, he gets adjusted and actually my, Mom texted me yesterday. I have a quick question. What brace should I get him? He was limping on our hike today. I'm like, that is not a quick question. Braces are not quick questions. Oh, really? Braces are, I think, a very complicated topic, especially with our animals, our dogs. Um, and so I'm like, oh, was this his first long, long hike since you adopted him? Well, yeah, it ended up being a lot longer than we planned. I'm like, he's just out of shape. Relax. <laughs> Just relax. Let me know if he's still limping tomorrow because the better gauge for doing too much with your animal, if they're coming back from an injury or if they're senior or whatever is, how are they the next morning? Not necessarily that afternoon or evening. How are they the next morning? How did they recover? 
all right, if they're still limping the next morning, they're still really tired, not moving, you did too much, back it off. That's all that tells you. Um, so I asked her that and I go, um, you might want to do some more shorter hikes and build him up. You got him. I think she rescued him at the end of last year. So there has been no hiking. So they went out weekend warrior warrior, and now he's limping and she's losing her mind. I'm like, just breathe, just breathe. We'll see well, what we need to do here. So we, um, our son is an avid biker. And he has two dogs. Uh, one's a, a golden and, and one is, I don't know. He's the yappy hour dog with the blue eyes. That's his dog. Oh, okay. and, um, and, and so they go on the bike rides mm -hmm. with our son and his other friend who rides. So the other day we were at, at his house and, and they had done the a five, maybe even seven mile bike ride. And the dogs were running like banshees with them. And the golden came back and his, one of his back paws was just obliterated. I mean, just tore it up. Yeah. Tore it up. You know, where the pad is just like now super raw. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think, you know, we gotta, I don't know. Should we just build these dogs up a little bit before we're out there? Like maybe do a two mile run and then I don't yeah. know. Well, and depending on where they live, is this a year round activity or are they getting back into it? Well, they're getting back into it because they're up in the mountains in Granby, right? So the dogs okay. typically do, you know, they run like crazy when they do the skinning, you know, the dogs go with them on skinning, mm -hmm. uh, but they were in Poncha. So Poncha Springs and doing um, uh, all of those mountains and where they, you know, the mountain biking. I can't imagine the dogs in Moab, right? Moab, Utah on that yeah. red dirt that yeah. red oh my gosh it's like it's like um sandpaper right but just like anything if that's what they're used to and you build them up and the feet get used to it and they callous up they most will be okay not all some dogs have sensitive feet you know and they won't ever be able to do it but i think we tend to forget that over the winter let's say, you know, their owner has been going to the gym and been doing classes and been doing spinning classes and had been work. The dogs have not. And then you're ready to get out there and cycle seven miles. And they're like, let's go dogs. And they're like, okay. But they, they haven't had the, the workouts that you've had all winter long. Yes. They probably done some other things, but you have to remember they need to build up muscle. They need to get back in shape, just like we do. They need to build up their lungs, their feet pads, all of that. And dogs don't say, I just don't have it in me. They just go. They just go. Absolutely. And then when you have that dog that just puts the brakes on, you know, it's they've hit their limit, right? Like there is something going on. So please pay attention to that. If they are slow, they stop. There is something going on because otherwise, yeah, they're just going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Check their feet, guys. I mean, that's mm -hmm. one thing that we don't tend to do with our dogs is check those pads, you know, and I always worry, like we just got back from um, the uh, uh, Arizona area, right? And it gets so hot there. And there's that black pavement in the black, you know, tar uh, asphalt, and people are just walking their dogs and it's, you know, a hundred degrees outside. Mm hmm. And I, I'm not, we just forget. We're like, oh, well, they've got shoes on. No, they've got, you know. They have their pads. 
their pads. So let's check their feet. I wanted to go back and, and tell you something that, that I've noticed or that I've seen in German shepherds uh, that have had the TPLO is with that metal piece, whatever that piece is that's put inside of their body, there have been many instances where we have seen a bacteria build up on that piece of material. The dog gets ill um, and it takes him a while to figure out that this is what's going on, that there's a bacteria buildup. And I've seen dogs that actually have to go back in and have that piece taken out before they recover. Yep. Absolutely. So see, that see, I think I've seen it, quote unquote, a lot and I don't see a lot. Right. Like I have a small little um, collection of my clients. But yeah, if they are, okay, uh, yes, if they're just not healing up um, and they're still not weight bearing like they should on that leg after a certain point or whatever they decide in rehab, I don't know how many weeks, you know, that's probably eight, between eight and 12 weeks, they should be full weight bearing. They generally are back to full activity from my understanding. And a lot of times they'll be like, oh no, they're fine. Um, they're not weight bearing. That is not fine. Uh, you know, we just, we did this so they could be weight bearing and get back to their life. Right. And yeah, you got to get in there, get a x-ray, um, see if there's infection in there. Um, now where does the infection come from? I don't know. You know, it could be the surgical procedure and it got in there. It happens, you know, mm -hmm. it just happens. Um, is your dog's immune system not great? My other theory is, this is my personal theory is, and it happens in people, they actually reject the metal. There's mm -hmm. a low grade, a low grade inflammatory immune response to the metal in the body. The body's like, this does not belong here. And it attacks it at trying to get rid of the metal. It's not going to work. Right. But it actually attacks it. So is it a full on bacterial infection that needs to be treated with antibiotics or, or whatever treatment? Absolutely. Now, sometimes that's, they're not finding anything. They're not finding anything. And I'm like, you've got to remove the plates. You've got to get them out. And if it's been a year or at a certain point, you can remove the plates, period. And I actually recommend you get those plates out of there because even if nothing is showing up and your dog is fine, there is a low grade. I, I believe my personal belief is there's always a low grade to a metal that is now pounded into your body right? Low grade response to it all the time. Um, that's why I say I personally, my animals, I'll never do a TPLO. I won't do it. I will. There are other surgical options, um, that I may consider, but I haven't run into that because my dogs are raw fed and I don't spay and neuter early. Right. Um, <laughs> so, hmm. <laughs> and we can talk about that at another time, but yes, get the plates out. Um, and that the, I just don't think they need to be in there. And I did have a Labrador, did he have bilateral, you know, CCL tears when he was, I think he was only like 18 months old. I still don't know because he had such lumbosacral instability that I think he may have had more of a radiculopathy and more of an issue down both the legs. This is my theory. He is, I worked with, um, chief for years. He's now passed. 
Um, but he, oh my God, he struggled with his knees and mom brought me in for another dog and another reason. And we started working with him. I'm like, you've got to get these plates pulled. Did she pull them? Yep. She pulled them and he was 80, 90% better in days. Wow. And he had, she had to get him out of both knees and we, oh my goodness, chiropractic in him. I saw him by every six to eight weeks. He did amazing amazing for like the next six years. I mean, we were together a long time. He didn't live long. He died of another cancer, but OMG, like, I wonder if it was actually a knee issue to begin with. Cause he was super young. Um, but you know, whatever, whatever, but she had to get the plates out of there. One was infected and one was not, but how do you get the plates out once they're in the bone like that? I mean, I actually have no idea how they do that. Gosh, yeah. One of, so one you of, are talking another trauma and yeah, you are talking more right. anesthesia and another surgery and more cost. I mean, all of that. It's not like they go in and can pull them out and they don't charge you. And it's like stitches removal. It's not that it's, it's a deal. So you have right. to be aware of that. Yeah. So that's what Asta, you know, my, my 14 year old German, you know, she did something to her knee and we looked at this TPLO and the way she's angled too. And we said, no, we're not going to do it right now. I will say that the majority of the time they say, if you do get a TPLO, then they're going to blow out the other knee. Now, is that because they're, they're compensating, right? And now they're going to blow out the other knee. There's, uh, two, Os- there's two things. I'll let you get back to that. Yeah. Maybe- a the surgeon puts that in the parents mind that they're going to blow the other knee so Mm. the parents are planning on it and thinking about it and will you know projecting that energy on them two yes there's compensation you now have a bionic knee and the other knee is god made still right right so they're going to go out there and go harder because that bionic knee is awesome and three they don't change the diet and the nutrition to support the ligaments in the natural knee. Still, they are still feeding kibble. They're still doing all those things that do not support the ligaments in the body. You need to change the nutrition. If you really want to support that other knee and, and prevent it from um, also tearing in the, in the coming, whatever time frame, it does. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a big decision. It's a lot of cost. There's a lot of risk. I hope that, pet parents are getting informed consent. At least they are here on the podcast. Um, But one thing about Asta was that she was an easy German shepherd to keep uh, resting, right? Mm -hmm. To keep from running at full bore, right? She just, that's her personality. She's not like Lossie who just, I mean, she gets up in the morning. She's like, I love life. Bring it on. (laughs) You know, Asta's like, hello, morning. (laughs) Uh, but anyway so it was a little bit easier for us however today that is one of the reasons that she's in seeing you right because Mm -hmm. she's she's dealing with all that compensation from that knee and we did do cold uh, laser therapy on that knee Mm -hmm. right and rest Uh, that was one thing that our vet at the time did offer but if you feel that knee it's like she's got a golf ball inside of there because the um, scar tissue and and it, it, the ligaments. Well, what is it that that causes that big lump in there? Is the scar tissue that's? Yeah, it's just the scar tissue. It's just how the body built it up to try to support it. Now yeah. you would need an X-ray to get a better idea of 
what exactly structures are involved and do we have bony changes or do we just have scar tissue? You can't tell from the outside. Um, so we'd have to go in and look, but, and then, then what I tell clients, oh, we don't have to do that. <laughs> you know, that'd be nice. You know, if you got a couple of hundred bucks lying around and you want to take a look, you could do that. But I also like to remind pet parents that even if you did the surgery, it could end up feeling, looking and having the same compensatory issues that you have if you don't. The mm. surgery does not guarantee you anything. It does not. And, and it does, it, Andy. It guarantees yeah. your bank account will be less. Well, there is that. There is the cost <laughs> of it. But it doesn't guarantee that it's going to go well, work well, be well, not be arthritic later in life. That's one of my pet peeves with these vets. They go in, they diagnose this this CCL tear or partial or complete tear. And we need to get you scheduled for surgery next week. And we got to do this to prevent arthritis. And it's a bunch of crap. You can actually, yes, if you choose to do surgery, that's fine. Really depends on your animal's personality, their age, their size. Like there are a lot of factors. I don't, you know, claim to what's going to work in your lifestyle, but you can get that scheduled because you're going to have arthritis no matter what, because A, you have the initial trauma, B, you surgery is also trauma. You're going to have arthritis. So don't worry about having to get it in next week. Yes, your dog is limping. Yes, it's hard to watch. It, you know, they don't feel great. It's just a season. So if you're like, it's July and you can't, you have family vacations and you have this and this and this and you want to schedule it in September, schedule it. It's okay. They're going to go in and put metal plates in. So there's a little arthritis that builds up. They're going in, you, you know, and you're still most likely going to have any anyway. I think that pet parents probably think I got to get them in because I'm doing further damage on them right now. Yes. If they don't get in and get that yes. done. Yes. That's what they, and that's what your veterinarian will tell you. Absolutely. And in my opinion, you're going in to do that type of surgery. Then no, no. You, you, and you know, hip dysplasia, you can really get that scheduled. If you're doing a hip replacement, they're Ooh. cleaning, they're cleaning out the socket. They're going to pound in a new femoral head. You, who cares if there's arthritis, they're going to clean that all up for you. So you can get that scheduled that works into your schedule because you have post-surgery eight weeks of helping your dog around and not letting them do anything. Again, everyone's like, oh, they'll be did surgery, you know, the anesthesia. I'm like, yeah, they do really good with anesthesia. Yeah, surgery is the easy part. It's post-surgery and all the care that's required that turns into a lot of work for you. And I don't think that's discussed as much as it should be. Well, I'll tell you how you can discuss it. You can schedule a consult with Dr. Andy. I think this would be a great uh, time if your dog is limping, to talk to Dr. Andy. I mean, you could look at videos. I you love could, looking at videos. Right. I, so you ask, could, I ask a lot of my clients new, send me a video, see if I can even help you. What does it look like? Because I can tell 80% of the time what we're, what we're up against. And well, sometimes I do, I just send them right back to the vet. I'm like, that's, that's a CCL that you need to get evaluated and see what you want to do. Well, I think for those folks who are out there listening to the podcast who are not here uh, in Colorado, it's super easy to schedule a consult with Dr. Andy. Um, she can take a look at a video of your dog, ask you some questions, and then give you an in-depth informed consent uh, yeah. 
uh, consultation to say, here's what you're up against. Here's what to ask the vet. Here's what to look out for. You know, here's what to prepare for. That's something that we just don't get today. And so it's awesome when you find someone like Dr. Andy that will give you all of the pros and cons so that you can make the best decision for your family. You know, what if you've already got this vacation scheduled and all of a sudden your dog comes up limping? You don't know. Should you cancel the vacation that I get no refund on (laughs) and take my dog in and, uh, you know, get a surgery? So I think that's something that you want to ask Dr. Andy. That That would darn sure be worth a consultation to me. Yeah. And I love those conversations because people that informed consent, they just don't know, you know, you need to do the surgery. You know, that's what you get from your regular vet mostly, right? There's not a lot beyond that. What's in, what's the cost? What's the cost after what's the time involved? Like, I mean, you have, I've had veterinarians, I mean, like 12 year old, eight pound dogs, they need a TPLO. No, they don't. You just pick up the dog, let the body kind of scar it over. It's eight pounds. It, you know, you really, the trauma of all that, that would be my point of view. No, not on that. You have a three-year-old hundred pound Mastiff that's super active. Yeah. You, you might need to pound some plates in there mm-hmm, to keep that dog going for so many more years. Absolutely. Like it's so every body in every case is so different. So true. So true. All right, everybody, get over to animalmagiccare.com. Schedule your consultation with Dr. Andy. Remember, Dr. Andy does the YouTube live every Tuesday night, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. It's over on YouTube and it's called Dr. Andy's World, A N D I, Dr. Andy's World. Get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com. Get your dog on a species appropriate diet. That's your first step. Okay, that's your first step. Your dog does not have a sensitive stomach. (laughs) It just is sensitive to crap. Get the sphincter (laughs) food out of its life. All right, everybody. Get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you next week, Dr. Andy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.